Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. The Book of Psalms is a book of poetry, prayers, and songs that people wrote to God, prayed to God, and even used to lead others in the worship of God. The Psalms give us insight into what a relationship with God looks like and examples of how we can pour out our joys, fears, and our heart's desires to God. Join us weekly as we spend the summer in Psalms. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Well, I want to welcome everybody to Valleybrook. Those of you who are in our North Grampy campus, as well as those at our online campus, we're glad you're here and we hope that uh, you'll come back and join us again in the following weeks. We're beginning a new series today called Summer in the Psalms, and so every week we're going to be looking at a different psalm and seeing what God's Word is going to teach us and instruct us to do from this. Uh, Tim Keller and his wife Kathy uh, write this. They say, the psalms lead us to do what the psalmists do, to commit ourselves to God through pledges and promises, to depend on God through petition and expressions of acceptance to seek comfort in God through lament and complaint, to find mercy from God through confession and repentance, and to gain new wisdom and perspective from God through meditation, remembrance, and reflection. You know, the Psalms he writes are the songs of Jesus. And so as we dive into this this summer, I want to encourage you to do your own reading of the Psalms, to begin to do that. And if you go to our resource page on our website, you'll find there's a, there's a reading plan you can download, or there's some suggestions from the Bible app. And so there are many things that you can do so that you can go deeper every day in God's Word. So let me begin my message. The old man walks down a wide path along a colonnade of evergreens. He has a full head of gray hair combed from a wavy peak to one side. His eyebrows spike with a grandfatherly flourish toward his temples. His gait is quick but stiff, stiff like someone who's just gotten up. He marches forward with great intent and purpose as if he's hunting out something or someone Behind him trail his family. His wife is close as his son and daughter-in-law a step or two further behind, bracketing their own children. The man's eyes show that for the moment, he's not thinking about his family, although he seems to be dragging them along behind in his wake. His eyes are at once wide open yet fixed, poached by what can only be dread. His mouth works in a way that shows that his stomach is in his throat. Off to the left, his family can see the curve of a long shore, and they can hear the crashing of waves and nearly breathe in the scent of the brine from the ocean. But the man looks neither to the right or to the left. He keeps stumbling forward, his body tense yet determined. When he finally turns to his right, he steps onto a vast lawn striped with thousands of white crosses that extend toward the horizon. Here and there, a Jewish star adds to the procession of markers that contrast starkly against the green grass. The old man's pace speeds up as he makes his way through the vast cemetery. His family struggles to keep up. James Ryan's determined march finally halts in front of one particular cross. The rims of his eyes show red. He wipes it down with his shaking hand, sniffs hard, and he tries to breathe. Here it is. 
His captain's cross. The name, the date. Captain John W. Miller, June 13th, 1944. He takes another sniff against his watering eyes, bites his lip. He's almost choking as he struggles to breathe in the heavy air. His knees give way and he kneels before the cross, his shoulders heaving. His wife is suddenly at one shoulder, his son at the other. He's glad they're there, but they cannot help with what needs to be done. He mumbles that he's all right and they retreat several steps, leaving him to his thoughts that press so hard he can't bear the weight. Not until this moment does he realize that what he has been looking forward to yet dreading is a transaction, an exchange of some kind. For him, this visit to the Normandy American Cemetery is no sightseeing tour. It is a profound action. Even now, he cannot say why he believes this to be the case. Whatever must happen involves the question that has dogged him his whole life. The unspoken question that has brought him here today. He feels its presence in every memory. Now that he's looking at his captain's grave, Ryan has to ask the question. You see, decades earlier on June 6, 1944, Captain Miller and his men had landed at Omaha Beach on D-Day, a horror that James Ryan had been spared as part of the 101st Airborne. His unit had dropped into Normandy the night before the assault began. Soon after the hell of D-Day, Captain Miller and a squad of seven men were assigned to find paratrooper James Ryan and bring him home alive. The Army's chief of staff, General George C. Marshall, had personally issued the order for Private Ryan to be taken out of the war. You see, Ryan's two older brothers had already died in D-Day, and a third brother had been killed in the action in New Guinea. And Marshall thought that three sons were enough for any mother to contribute to the war. Captain Miller and his squad found Ryan with the remnants of the 506th Baker Company, which had orders to secure a bridge on the far side of a river. Ryan refused to leave. So Miller decided that they'd make Ryan's battle their own as well and save him in the process. And the Germans came at them. Nearly a full company of men and a deadly firefight ensued. Of the squad that had come to save Ryan, only two men escaped relatively unscathed. The others were dead or dying. Captain Miller lay close by where he had been hit, his back slumped against the wall. Ryan watched as his captain struggled in his last moments, shot clean through one lung. The captain would not take another breath except to grunt, James, earn this. Earn it. Were these dying words a final order? Private Ryan had always taken it that way. These memories rivet the aged James Ryan, who now finds himself staring at the grave marker and mumbling to his dead commander. 
He tells Captain Miller that his family is with him. He confesses that he wasn't sure how he would feel about coming to the cemetery that day. He wants Captain Miller to know that every day of his life, he's thought of their conversation at the bridge. Miller's dying words. Ryan has tried to live a good life, and he hopes he has. At least in the captain's eyes, he's hoped he's earned it. That his life has been worthy of the sacrifice Captain Miller and the other men had made of giving their lives for him. As Ryan mutters these thoughts, he cannot help wondering how any life, however well lived, could be worthy of his friend's sacrifice. The old man stands up, but he doesn't feel released. The question remains unanswered. His wife comes to his side again. He looks at her and pleads, tell me that I've lived a good life. Confused by his request, she responds with a question, what? He has to know the answer. He tries to articulate it again. Tell me I'm a good man. The, the request flusters her, but the earnestness makes her think better of putting it off. And with great dignity, she says, you are. His wife turns back to the other family members who were stirring, saying they are ready to go. Before James Ryan joins them, he comes to attention and he salutes his fallen comrade. What a gallant old soldier he is. Who of us can watch that scene from Steven Spielberg's magnificent film, Saving Private Ryan, and not want to ask the same question? Have I lived a good life? If you want to live a good life, then you should turn to the scriptures, to Psalm 1, because it tells us how to live a good life, how to live a blessed life. Let's read it. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in this company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. As we go through this psalm, we're going to look at three kinds of people and how they relate to living a good life, how they relate to the blessed life. The first person we're going to talk about this is, is the person who receives God's blessing. And the psalmist tells us that this first person is blessed because, first of all, this person follows God's word. The psalmist tells us what a blessed person does by actually telling us what a blessed person does not do. Remember what it said? That person does not walk in, this, in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. 
Scripture tells us that followers of Jesus are supposed to find their direction in life, not from the ways of the world or from the culture that we're immersed in that surrounds us all the time, but we're supposed to find it in God's Word. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says that while his followers live in the world, they are not supposed to be of the world. James, the brother of Jesus, one of the apostles, tells us that we need to keep ourselves from being corrupted by the world. And he specifically says this, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Along those same lines, John, the apostle, wrote in his first letter these words, if anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. And the Apostle Paul instructs us to not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but to let God transform you by the renewing of your minds. And the renewing of our minds happens when we take in God's word and let it counteract the messages that we receive from the culture and the media and from everything else that constantly bombards us. Pastor and teacher, Dr. Warren Wiersbe, makes an interesting observation about Peter, the apostle Peter, when he was with Jesus, when Jesus was arrested, and what happened next. He said, you know, Peter didn't follow Jesus' counsel and flee from the garden. No, instead, he followed Jesus, and he entered into the courtyard of the high priest, and there he stood with the enemies of Jesus, and ultimately, he sat down with them, and the result, he says, was denying Christ three times. Peter did not follow the instructions of Jesus' word. He walked with the wicked. He stood with the sinners. He sat with the mockers. And Peter was clueless to what he was doing. And it was only when the crowing rooster crowed the third time and Jesus' prophecy about that struck him in the face. And he realized that he had sinned by betraying Jesus, by standing with sinners by sitting with mockers. You and I are blessed by God when we follow his instructions for us, when we follow his word, when we, when we take it in. Let it permeate our minds and our hearts and, and let it determine our actions. So the blessed person is the person who takes in God's word and follows it. And the blessed person is also the person who finds delight in God's word. Continuing with that thought about the person who is blessed, the psalmist says that that person is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on it day and night. You know, delighting in the word and meditating on the word must go together. For whatever we enjoy, we think about and we pursue. Now think this one through. Have you ever noticed that the things in your life that, that bring you joy, the things that you're passionate about, the things that you like to do and that you pursue are those things that you think about often. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's a certain sport. Maybe it's coffee. Maybe it's video games. Maybe it's reading. 
And by the way, pursuing those things are all fine for Christians as long as we keep them in the, the right order with the priority of God and his word. But we have to recognize that God calls us to follow his word, to, to actually do it and to delight in it. Why? Because when we do, we actually become more like his son, Jesus Christ. The person who is blessed is the person who, who follows God's word and who delights in God's word and who meditates on it and takes it in more than the things of this world, more than the, than the media that bombards us. There's a second person this psalm talks about, and it's the person who is a blessing. Verse 3 continues to talk about that person who's blessed, but it's important for us to ask ourselves, what is the purpose of God's blessing? Is it for the blessed person to go rich, to grow rich on those blessings and to live the easy life because they are blessed? While that's the way the world looks at blessings, that's not what Scripture tells us that God's blessings are for. You know, early in the history of, of the Bible, we see this story where God calls Abraham and Sarah. He calls them to leave their home, to leave everything they have known and everything that they have and to travel to a land that, that he hasn't revealed to them at this point, but where ultimately it will become the promised land, the land that we know as Israel. And in that calling, God makes clear what his purpose is for the blessings that God gives us. And this is what he says to Abraham and Sarah. He says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham and Sarah were blessed to be a blessing. And, and we understand that the purpose of this blessing is passed on to their spiritual descendants. And everyone who believes in Jesus becomes a spiritual descendant of Abraham and Sarah. So with that understanding of what blessings are for. The, the blessed person is not supposed to hoard the blessings that they receive from God, but rather they're supposed to use those blessings to bless others, to share that blessing with them. Now, with that understanding, let's go and look at verse 3 of Psalm 1. It says, That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. That's the blessed person. So there's this image of a tree, and that was familiar in Scripture. And by its description, we can see that it's a tree that is clearly flourishing, and it's connected to a source of life-giving water, and it's fruitful, which means it's living out its purpose. And we know that it's fully alive because its leaves do not wither. This is what the person who is blessed is like. But there's more here. Because the psalmist adds another descriptor of what a person blessed by God looks like. The psalmist says, whatever they do prospers. Now, when we read that phrase, 
whatever they do prospers. Our tendency is that we want to interpret that phrase as being materially or, or, or financially or, or worldly successful and prosperous. But remember the blessing that God gave to Abraham and Sarah. It wasn't about a, a worldly type of blessing. It wasn't about a material type of blessing. It wasn't about finances. It was about being blessed by God to be a blessing to the rest of the world. And then put that into the context in which Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God. You know, he talked about the kingdom of God, not about it being a blessing materially, but being a spiritual blessing. And to have that blessing to be a part of God's kingdom means that you're supposed to take what you've received and share that information with others so other people can believe and become part of the kingdom of God. While we want to quickly interpret things about our individual kingdom, that's not what the kingdom is about. It's not about my kingdom or your kingdom. It's about God's kingdom. And the way we come into God's kingdom is by understanding what he's done for us in Jesus Christ. By faith, we accept that and we are blessed. And with that blessing, we need to bless others. Now, let me make note of a few details about the people who are blessed to be a blessing. It says they are like a tree planted by streams of water. If you want to be a blessing and if you want to be blessed, you need to also plant yourself by a stream of water. Specifically, what I'm talking about is a stream of living water, Jesus Christ. You need to enter into a relationship with him by faith. You need to take in the truth of who Jesus is. And when you do that, you will not wither. You'll flourish. And it's important to note that the blessed person will be fruitful. Again, about being blessed to be a blessing, remember this. When a fruit tree bears fruit, the fruit of that tree is not for the tree. The fruit is for others. We are blessed to be a blessing. One writer writes this. God blesses us that we might be a blessing to others. If the blessing stays with us, then the gift becomes more important than the giver. And that's idolatry. When we become channels of God's blessings to others, it's a joy to live and to bless others. It's a joy to receive a blessing, but it's an even greater joy to be a blessing. And therefore, we remember what Jesus said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So that's the person who is a blessing, the person who is blessed, and the person who is a blessing. Now, let's talk about the third person in this psalm, the person who needs a blessing. About this person, the psalmist writes, not so with the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the ways of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. You know, in the first three verses, the psalmist is talking about the blessed person. Now the topic is the opposite person, referred to as the wicked person. And this person needs a blessing. 
So first, the psalmist compares the wicked person to chaff. Now, chaff is the husk or the shell around the head of grain. So if you're familiar with grain, uh, particularly grains like wheat, when they are harvested, they are allowed to dry on the stalk in the field, and then the stalks are cut. And the heads of the grain are beaten or or thrashed, it's called. And the purpose of thrashing is to remove that husk or the chaff from the head of the grain. And then to separate the chaff from the grain requires a process called winnowing. Now, today they have machines that do the winnowing process. But in the day of the psalmist and in Jesus' day, you winnowed by taking a pitchfork and throwing the heads of grain and the stalks and the chaff into the air. And the the lighter chaff blows away, but the heads of grain fall straight down. And when the grain and the chaff are separated, the grain is gathered so that it can be used for bread and other things. Interestingly, John the Baptist used this metaphor to talk about God's judgment of the blessed people and the wicked people. And this is what he wrote about God. He said, his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Verse 5 talked about the final judgment before God. And it says, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. So those who are wicked, who have walked with the wicked, who have stood with the sinners, who have sat with the mockers, they've not followed God's word, and they've not delighted in it. They're not planted by streams of water. They don't produce a fruit of righteousness, nor do they prosper spiritually. And so... At the judgment, they won't be allowed to stand there. They won't be allowed to be in the assembly of the righteous people. They will be cast out into utter darkness. Now, look, I know this sounds harsh, but God is a God of justice. And as I said in my message about God's justice on May 23rd, justice is not real justice if sins are not punished and good deeds are not rewarded. The last verse in Psalm 1 is this. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So the Lord watches over the ways of righteous is not a casual observation. It's much deeper than that. It means that that God has chosen them and, and now providentially watches over them because he wants to bring them finally to his glory. Now, while God is all-knowing and and God knows all things about both the blessed person and the wicked person, he lets us choose which way we will live. And there's a mutual personal knowledge of and relational intimacy with the righteous and God, but not so with the wicked. Ultimately, the wicked person is the one who needs a blessing, but that can only happen if they have a change of heart and if they pursue God and follow him down that path of blessing. Look, if you, if you want to have a blessed life, then pursue God by following his son, Jesus Christ, and, and pursue him by reading his word and taking it in. Uh, but remember, that blessing that God gives you is not yours to keep. It's yours to share. 
God doesn't bless us just so that we can spend eternity with him. God blesses us so that once we have the blessing, we can share that blessing with others. If you've been saved by faith in Jesus Christ, if you become a follower of Jesus, then you need to share that with everyone else so that they'll know what you've received by faith and do that and continue down the path of the blessed life by following God's word and delighting in it. You know, so as I bring this message to a close, what we need to remember is this, is that God has called us to live the blessed life. And Psalm 1 reminds us that we understand what that blessed life is by following God's word and letting it be the main influence in our lives, the primary influence, and that we meditate and spend our lives following Jesus and sharing the blessing that we receive through believing in Jesus with other people so they will know it also. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.